today, if you started, we are uh, starting a new series. Some of you know we've been in another series called More for a little while. But today we're going to be talking about Elisha, the days of Elisha. Now I heard a story about a university professor who stood in front of his class and said that he was going to prove that there is no God. So he spoke to his class, and he, he stood on his pedestal, and he yelled up to the sky, God, if you are real, I want you to knock me off of my podium. I give you 15 minutes. So he stood there, and he taunted God and mocked God. Five minutes go by, and he continues to say, here I am. Knock me down. Ten minutes go by, there he is still standing, mocking God. Thirteen minutes later, one of the college football players happens to be walking by the room. And here's this professor mocking God. So this college football player walks into the room and then runs at the professor, knocks him to the ground, which really throws the professor off, asking, why did you do that? And he said, well, God was busy, so he sent me. <laughs> now, did God send him, or was he just getting back for a grade that he received, maybe in the prior term? I don't know. You probably will never know the answer to that question. But in our story today, we're going to hear about another person who was sent as a prophet of God. A person who is called as a prophet of God. Now, we hear a lot about Elijah. Now, I want you to get confused here. We are going to be talking about Elijah because it's hard to talk about Elisha without first setting up Elijah. Get that straight? Everybody, everybody clear so far? Okay. So Elijah was the one who came before, and he passed it on to Elisha. So maybe that will help you a little bit. But we hear a lot about Elijah. In the book of Malachi, actually, it was prophesied that Elijah would return to bring back the Messiah. To this day, there's a special place set in Passover tables in Jewish homes in anticipation that Elijah was going to come and show up. In the time of Jesus, the people were so eager to see the coming of the Messiah that when they went to John the Baptist, what was one of the questions they asked? Are you Elijah? Are you the one? And in the book of James, we're, we're told to pray like Elijah. Of course, we see even in Mount Transfiguration, you might remember, who showed up with Jesus? Moses and Elijah. So it seems like Elisha doesn't get quite as much press. He didn't have his social media account going and get all his followers. But he wasn't quite as important, or didn't seem as important. He always lived in the shadow of his mentor, Elijah. But God really used Elisha in many in strong ways. And we're going to be going through that in this series. We even have a song. You might remember this several years back. These are the days of Elijah. So he has a song. Maybe we should just change it to Elisha. We'll change the lyrics a little bit. But in order to understand the calling of Elisha, we have to begin with Elijah. And the circumstances surrounding the call of Elisha. His call came out of, of really rough circumstances. I mean, things were not great for those who believed in Jesus Christ. 
His call came out during that time. You see, they were ruled by a king that got way off track. And they were ruled by a queen that supported the worship of Baal, pagan worship. But what we're going to focus on today is that out of the difficult season comes hope. Out of the difficult season comes calling. And out of the difficult season comes purpose. And this is what I'm believing God for in our church. I think we all know what it looks like to come out of something that's been a little bit challenging. Our world has come out of something that's been challenging. You think of COVID, you think of chaos, you think of some of the political issues that have been going through our nation, the mess that's there. And my prayer through all of that has been that God would be glorified through it all. That God would use these circumstances to draw people back to himself. And that God's church would stand up and stand up strong in this season, especially in the season following. So this morning's message particularly is about going from depression to hope. From depression to hope. You see, because Elijah was the picture of strength. Elijah was strong. He was courageous. He was fearless. He was bold. He was a man of God. As a prophet, he declared, thus saith the Lord, and people listened. Like John the Baptist in the New Testament, he wasn't afraid to confront people who were doing things that were wrong. That's why they asked John the Baptist, are you Elijah? He confronted the prophets of Baal with the context. You may remember the story. To prove to the people of Israel, once and for all, that their God was the real God, the true God. The prophets of Baal, you might remember, danced, and they worshipped, and they cut themselves all day around this altar, asking Baal to bring fire down upon the altar. And Elijah even kind of mocked them a little bit. Well, maybe your God is busy. Maybe he's doing something else. Or maybe, in scriptural terms, he was relieving himself. In our terms, he was going to the bathroom. Maybe your God is going to the bathroom. That's, not, that's why he's not burning your altar. But you see, Elijah had his altar soaked with water. And only took one small prayer to God before the fire came down. And consumed the altar, consumed the water. So the message is loud and clear. God is God and Baal is not. This is a great victory. And they killed all the prophets of Baal, those who were worshiping other gods, right after this great miracle. Queen Jezebel was angry at Elijah. She, she put out something against Elijah. And what did Elijah do? Because he's strong. Because he's courageous. Because he's willing to stand up to everybody he he ran. Elijah ran. Even though he showed all this courage, even though he saw victory, even though he saw what God had done, it was a miracle where fire rained down from heaven. He ran. He ran in fear. The scripture almost, when, when you listen to it, it almost seems like he was in a depressed state. 1 Kings 19.4 says, Then he went on alone. Everybody say alone. He went on alone into the wilderness 
traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary blue tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. You see, even people who seem strong and courageous and willing to stand up for the things around them have their moments of doubt, have their moments of insecurity, have their moments of struggle. Yes, and sometimes they let fear control them at times. Sometimes they struggle with their faith. Sometimes they struggle in trusting God in situations that challenge them. Look at all the big name stars and athletes who look like they have it all. You think they're going They have it. They have the money. They have the fame. They have the spouse that they Cars, you would look at that and think, they don't have any worries. How many end their lives? Wilderness, addiction, suicide. See, if you struggle with this, you're, you're in good company. And I believe that Scripture tells us these stories to show us that even the heroes of the Bible didn't have it all together. We can relate to them. God uses imperfect people like you and me to accomplish great things. And then you say, can you say amen to that? God uses imperfect people like you and me to accomplish great things. Outside of Jesus, outside of the Son of the Trinity, no one else is perfect in this definition. They have their hands just like you. But it's important to see what led to the calling of Elisha. There's some important principles here that I don't want to skip over. These are important to know maybe a little bit more about Elijah before we get to Elisha. So here's the question I have for you this morning. I want you to think about this for a moment. What took Elijah from a conquering warrior to a defeated foe marked by depression? Highs and the lows. What took him from here to there so quickly? I'm just going to make it very clear. I'm not a licensed psychologist or a psychiatrist. This is not a prescription. But what I can tell you is what seemed to lead Elijah away and into this depressed state and how we can maybe take some steps to protect ourselves. How God can pull us out First thing, number one, this is what Elijah did. He said he ran, he left, he went alone. That's why I have to repeat that. He went alone. Elijah isolated himself. He isolated himself. He isolated himself from God's people. He lost the strength and encouragement of their fellowship. He lost their, their prayer time together. That's why we gathered together. How many of you have been there? 
missing the encouragement. You're missing the strength that comes from others gathered around you and believing in you. And when we isolate ourselves, we begin to question our calling. We begin to question why we're even here on this earth. What are we to do? Why are we even here? When we begin to isolate ourselves, we, we may think, I'm the only one that fill in the blank. I'm the only one that struggles. I'm the only one that cares. I'm the only one that puts in the effort. I'm the only one that feels left out. I'm the only one that no one cares for. These are the lies you hear when you're isolating yourself in the body of Christ. So continue to care about yourself. I'm convinced over and over again when you read the scripture, there's a place where Jesus, where God tells us, Make sure that we're gathering together. There's a reason to all of This is the place we can encourage one another and pray for one another. And we need that more than ever. That passage goes on to say that we need, we need to do that even more so as the day of his return comes closer. Not less. We need to make it more of a priority because we need that to continue to grow. But we're given these reasons to meet together, to encourage one another, to pray for one another, to spur one another on to good works. Those are all things that Scripture says. This is why we gather together. So don't isolate yourself. Don't pull away. Don't keep away. The second thing Elijah did is he forgot about the past. And how many of us, when we're faced with the situation... How many of us, when we're faced with a situation, we forget about what God has done before and we're only worried about what's happening right now? Elijah forgot the times that God came through for him. All the miracles that were performed through Elijah, where he showed up the prophets of Baal just not that long before this time. Elijah was a person that when he prayed that the rain would stop, the rain stopped. How many of you would like that? Or when he prayed for rain, it rained. Over and over again, God came through for Elijah. He needed to be reminded of who was in control. Jezebel was not, wasn't in control. God was in control. We all need that reminder. We all need moments where God reminds us of who we are and what he's done for us. Because it's often what he has done in the past that reminds us that he can do the same today. Right? He's not a God. We don't serve a God that's only done those things thousands of years ago. He continues to do them today. And so we point back to the miracles and the moments where God was there for us in our lives. To say, you know what? If he did it then, he can do it today. He can do it now. And no matter how tough things get, no matter how many threats are made, God has the last word. So remember the times that God has came through for you. There may be things that you're unaware of. I talked about this, I think, on some of our Thursday night caregivers. But there's probably things that God came through for you that you didn't even know. Accidents and things that could have happened. God changed your direction for some reason. God had you make a turn when you usually go straight. You're on autopilot for some reason. You just missed it. Say this again. How many of you just came to me? 
times that God provided, times that God healed, times that He protected, times that we've come to Him for forgiveness and felt that load that we were carrying on our shoulders just fall off of us. Times that we were blessed in different ways, or times that He brought joy, times that He brought encouragement when we were down, when we were struggling. How do we find hope? How do we find hope? The first thing is we don't isolate ourselves. And we remember what God has done for us in the past. Those are the things that guide us from through the now of life. The third thing that Elijah did here is he was not aware of his limitations. He was not aware of his limitations. You see, Elijah, like all of us, had physical and mental limitations. He couldn't do everything all the time. There are even moments where Jesus said, okay, it's been a long day. I'm going to go to away from the crowds. See, these are real. Limitations are real. How many of you felt some limitations in the, in the past year or two? I don't know. Maybe you have many limitations. I don't want to list. They'll start listing them out for me. But there are things that you used to be able to do that you can't do now. I can still shoot a basket, but I can't quite run that fast. Limitations are real. Faith and courage are stampeded by a prayer, body, and mind. Faith and courage are easily stampeded by prayer, body, and mind. So he needed rest. He needed to be refreshed. We have limitations. Because although God is unlimited, we are. We have our limitations. One of the most spiritual things you can do for yourself is sometimes just learn to say no. Another thing you can do is recognize that you can't do it alone. You can try. You can keep trying it on your own. But after a while, you got to find yourself in the same spot you were in. But God gave us the Sabbath as a day of rest, so we recognize our limitations. us people who care about us and can encourage us when we recognize that we can't do everything we step in our own. faith and courage are stampeded by a higher body and a higher mind. We recognize that we are limited and that we need rest and that we need each other. Fourth thing. In his mind, Elijah was the only believer left. He was the only prophet. He was the only one following God. He was the only one that hadn't followed all these other gods. He was it. God, I'm the last one left on earth. And whether it was true or not, that's how he felt. So obviously he was being impacted by that. His emotions and his actions were impacted by that. Even if he was the only one, which he wasn't, but he thought he was, God plus one. And the question I have this morning is, if Elijah can believe these false reports, and of course we live in a world where you have to be very careful 
about information that you're getting because you can't always trust it, right? So the question is, what false report are you believing? Maybe you're believing the false report that says things will always be this way. Maybe you believe the false report that the world is just going to hell in a handbasket. Nothing we can do. I will never make it. I'm worthless. I could never do that. No one cares about me. Or maybe you believe that God could never forgive you. God could never change you. I ask again. To listen to. I'm not going to make you number one tonight. Whose report shall you believe? You shall believe the report of the Lord. His report says, I am healed. His report says, I am filled. His report says, I am free. His report says, victory. what's important here when you see this passage. Even with doubts, even with isolation, even when we forget about what God has done for us, even when we go past our limits, and yes, even when we believe the lies, God meets us right where we are. God meets us right where we are. He met Elijah right there. Right back Doing here? What are you doing here, Elijah? Is someone maybe who's asking the same thing? Now, when I say that, I don't mean it in a tone of judgment. Not that that's what God was doing. I think what he's saying. you're in your own cave of addiction, your own cave of despair, your own cave of pain and struggle. Maybe you're in a cave of darkness and depression. There's battles that you continue to battle over and over again. You find yourself still in the dark. That's the same question you need to say. I don't believe there's a hint of judgment. But I believe neither one of these people by would say, listen, you can have it. You don't have to stay in this cave. You don't have to continue to live this way. 
Elijah needed a fresh vision of the power and glory of God in his life. Elijah needed hope. And the hope came, and God's voice came. You might remember the story. God's voice didn't come in the windstorm. God's voice didn't come in the loud earthquake that shook everything. God's voice didn't come in the fire coming down from heaven and burning everything. But God's voice came. was calling him to return to his place of worship. Return to what his calling was going to be. And sometimes when we find ourselves hiding in a cave, sometimes we just need to retrace our steps and go back and start a new path. And start a new beginning. Start differently than how we started the last time. And this is what God asked Elijah to do. To make a new beginning and what was that new beginning? Here's what we're going to up to the story of Elisha. By anointing the successor of his ministry, by anointing a prophet, a man named Elisha, to take over. See, when we're in despair and, and discouraged, sometimes the best thing that we can do is help someone else. When you take your eyes off of yourself and you begin to help someone else, hope begins to rise up. So he went to a young man named Elisha and he told him, here's, here's Pastor John's interpretation of this passage. Straight from the cave. Burn the plow and roast the cow. First Kings chapter 19, verses 19 through 21. So, so Elijah went and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, plowing the field. There were twelve teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with them, with the twelve teams. Elisha went over to him, and he threw his cloak across his shoulders, and then walked away. Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah, and said to him, First, let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I will go with you. Elijah replied, Go on back. But think about what I have done to you. So Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh, and he passed from the meat to the townspeople, and they all ate. Then he went with Elijah as his assistant. See, Elisha means God has salvation. Don't miss this this morning. When Elisha shows that he is completely committed to the process, Feeds people with what's, what, what's left. He's committed. He's saying, I'm leaving all that behind. I'm burning my bridges. I'm not going back there. That's done. That's over. I'm committing my life to be your successor. No turning back. No change. Elisha was the farmer. He had 12 oka boxes, which means yoga boxes, we say, which means there are 24 oxen total. Now, oxen at that time were not very cheap animals. They were pretty expensive. So this shows us a little bit that he was from a family that was 
financially better off than a lot of families in India. But Elijah, with no words, with no speech, with no interview process, placed his outer garment over Elisha. Elisha knew exactly what that meant. This means that he would have to give away his inheritance. He would have to walk away from the comforts of his life to follow in the footsteps of the powerful prophet Elijah. Think about the disciples leaving their fishing business. Tax collector walked away from their table to follow Christ. What Jesus said to them. It was a step of faith. It was a step into the unknown. It was a sign of a commitment that he sacrificed the oxen. He burned the plow. He roasted the cow. Yes, he was saying, okay, I'm done. I'm moving on. I'm burning my bridges. There's no escape plan. There's no escape hatch. There's no safety net. He would leave it all in the past to sacrifice the future. And for Elijah's part, it was time for him to let go and to pass down his calling to now, throughout church history, we can acknowledge that no one generation can do everything. There's been different things that God has done with each generation that has come. But each generation must see to it that the people in the next generation are called, are trained, and equipped to carry on the work that he's called us to. This is what Apostle, the Apostle Paul encouraged Timothy to do. He says it in 2 Timothy 2.2. He says, you've heard me teach things that, you have, that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. It's not up there, by the way. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. You know what's encouraging to me about our church? We can have the big I do believe that we care for them. But we want to encourage one another. Something encouraged me just a few weeks ago. I saw Regina telling me to gather around the meal with his mom after baptism and praying. It's encouraging to see young people being baptized and excited about Christ. At Anger Students this past Thursday, several of them talked about different people that they're trying to reach. They're trying to share their faith with them. They're trying to love and they need Christ. It's encouraging to see many of you speaking into the lives of these younger people because you've been there. Right? You're seasoned. You've been through a lot. You have a lot that you can give. And I've seen you talking to these younger people here in our congregation, sharing a little bit of your life, praying with them, encouraging them. Thursday nights, we've seen the same thing. Thursday night prayer. We have been speaking to those it's encouraging to know that Maria is pouring into our kids right now, Sunday after Sunday, downstairs. They're learning God's word. They're building a foundation. It's encouraging to see young people coming on Thursday nights to learn how to love God and to learn how to be out there. It's encouraging to hear a young man named Adam as we gathered here together that one Sunday that's been kind of coming off and on. His testimony about what he sensed and sensed God's presence here in this place. And here's what God is doing in his life. It's encouraging to have people like Nick helping me teach neighbor students. It's encouraging to have teams representing every single year. 
some of the stories of some of the Wesleyan evangelists that went from town to town. And the message was always the power of the cross of Christ. That's what changed people. It's not some lady who looks at the And when you begin to believe and know that the power of Christ can change things, that's when you begin to see the change. You see, God called Elijah out of his depressed state God called Elijah to stop weeping, and stop being depressed, and stop running away from the present. It was time to start preparing others to carry the torch, to pass down the heritage. Elijah's depression led to hope, hope of the future, and the calling of a young man named Elisha. And do you see Elisha's response to the challenge? I love this. Elisha's response to the challenge. He's totally committed 100%. He's not going back to, there's, there's no oxen to go back to, there's no cart to go back to, that's gone. He's going to have a sacrifice and then he's moving on with Elijah. This morning, there's a lot of this message to, to digest too. There's some, there's some Old Testament passages that we read this morning. But God may be speaking Maybe you've hidden it pretty well, but you know that's there. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe you're in hiding. You haven't always been like that. You haven't always been hiding. You've had moments when you've praised God. You're sure that He answered your prayer. You've had some victories. He's there to meet you, not with a great show of power, fire. He's there to meet you right there. He's in your spirit. God's out on you right now. You know he's there. 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 He's there.
take it to somebody who's lost them. Say to this younger generation, one of the ways to get to church. Don't think it's another way. Just need to take your time to it. Maybe you can avoid some of our mistakes. If that happens, that will be it. Maybe you can help me with that. Be willing to sacrifice and watch the game. Be willing to eat a lot of cost. No holding back.
resurrected to new life so that we can be resurrected to new life. And if you'd like to take this step today, just, just to say the simple prayer, say it quietly, just in your head, say it out loud. Say, Lord Jesus, please forgive my sins and make me new today. I invite you into my life right now. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Say this morning, if you said that prayer, if you've accepted Christ, and maybe you've returned to Christ, take a connection card, people in this room, and there's a box down there saying, I gave my life to Christ today. And check that box off, I will be able to call and welcome you. If you're watching online, and I also want to encourage all of you, if you're watching online, put it in the chat as well. I want to encourage all of you to download the YouVersion app if you haven't already. It's God's Word, and you can go on your phone, and there's a devotional called First Steps in that prayer. Go through that devotion and let it continue to help you grow in your faith. Prayer is never stop. We want to continue to grow. And as Mary as you can stand this morning, I'm going to read a simple blessing over you from Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 to 26. A very short blessing, but it's a powerful blessing. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you May the Lord show you his face.